Welcome to Open Banking Expo Unplugged, bringing you the brightest minds in open banking, open finance and beyond. Hello and welcome to another episode of Open Banking Expo Unplugged, the podcast series brought to you by Open Banking Expo. I'm Ellie Duncan, Head of Editorial and Broadcast at Open Banking Expo and as always your host. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Gabby McSweeney, who is the Head of Brand and Communications at Kodat. She's going to tell us a little bit more about what that role entails. But just to explain that really the the backdrop to our discussion today is a recent report published by Kodat called Open for Business, the case for a new approach to open finance that works for SMBs. It's a really interesting and I think important piece of research. Essentially, the kind of report argues that while small businesses have benefited from open banking initiatives in some ways, uh, they haven't really been able to truly capitalise on the potential of open finance. And I think one of the really interesting sort of findings from this report is that, you know, there are lots of conversations um, on extending open banking into obviously open finance, and that these conversations tend to centre around data sets such as pensions, investment, telecoms, energy, but actually that these kind of ignore um, what might be seen as, as more vital financial data for smaller businesses. So plenty to talk about there. And welcome to the podcast, Gabby. Thanks, Ellie. It's great to be here. Uh, so for those uh, listeners who aren't familiar with Kodat, can you explain what it is you do and then what your role involves there as well? Sure. Um, So Kodak is the universal API for small business data. Uh, And what we do is we connect fintechs and financial institutions uh, to the platforms that their small business customers use, including accounting, banking and commerce systems. Um, And by doing that, we help them build smarter, more integrated products. And that could be a point of sale platform like Zettle by PayPal, um, looking to automate reconciliation for their small business customers. Or it could be something like a digital lender uh, for example, Pipe, um, creating a slick digital application journey for their their lending product. And I'm the head of branding communications at Kodat. And the way that I see that is really about defining and shaping our our viewpoints uh, as a business, how we see the world, the ecosystem and our place in it. an increasing part of that at the moment is leading our efforts in the public policy space. So what's our strategy to shape the narrative around open data? How do we advocate for small businesses uh, and their interests in that space? Great. Well, uh, let's get stuck into this report then, because um, hopefully I've introduced it um, fairly briefly there, but but with a bit of, of context. But perhaps you can start by explaining, you know, what was the aim of this research when when you set out to do it? Well, as part of my role, I often join various industry events and meetings about the development of open finance. And as I was sitting through some of these, it really struck me that it wasn't that similar to the kind of problems that we're tackling as a business in terms of opening up small business data and not entirely relevant, a lot of those conversations. And I was just thinking, you know, why is that? And I think there's probably two reasons. Firstly, in the markets that are furthest ahead when it comes to open banking legislation. So I think UK and and Europe are really good examples of that. Open banking was defined very narrowly. So not even savings accounts are mandated to be open in the UK, which means that now what's being discussed and talked about as open finance is really only open banking plus, I I like to uh, call it. 
And I think the second reason is that as with the majority of technological uh, innovation, as you've already touched upon, it's always thought of you know as consumer first, which means that when the next potential data sources to open up are discussed, they usually tend towards those that are more useful to individuals like mortgages and pensions rather than to businesses. So with this report, what we wanted to do was raise awareness that there is a real problem, that small businesses can't share their financial data freely in a way that benefits them. And also that there's a real opportunity to drive economic growth and make small businesses' lives easier if we can make that happen. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good point. And, and so um, in the report, one of the things that you talk about is this kind of funding gap that exists among small businesses. Um, can you explain what sort of role do you think open banking data can play in, in sort of closing that gap? When you when it comes to businesses, you can split the potential benefits of open finance into kind of two categories. There is increasing productivity by allowing data to flow freely between a business's internal tools and systems, like uh, and automate workflows and that sort of thing. And then there's enabling small businesses to share data with third party providers. Um, for example, credit providers, in order to get better access to finance, or in other words, to close the gap between the amount of funding needed by businesses and the the amount that's available. Um, And in the UK, Mark Carney um, announced uh, in 2019, he put that that gap um, uh, between what's needed and what's available at Twenty-two billion pounds, um, and so we have, you know, within the uh, Open for Business report, and also more recently, we've we've actually started expanding on that research and, and looking into it specifically into the funding gap in, in a bit more detail. I think there's really three key reasons that it exists. So one. Um, you know, businesses aren't applying for finance when they need it because they're put off by the process. Two, um, lots of businesses that are, are applying are being rejected. And three, businesses that are being rejected don't have a plan B. So they go to their main bank, uh, but then they, you know, they're not aware of or they don't seek out alternative providers. And so better portability of data, by that I mean um, the ability to better share data with different parties that you want to, goes a long way to solving a lot of those problems. So first, I think if you think about um, uh, those that are put off the process, um, we so in this in this um, most recent research to uh, extend on the Open for Business uh, report, we interviewed over 800 businesses that were in the market for finance and about their attitudes to credit and sharing data. And 73% of those um, had a, a negative perception to, to credit, citing things like it's complex, it's it's expensive, and it's slow. So. If you can share data digitally, it it radically reduces the time and effort that it takes to apply for finance, Um, but it also makes it easier for the credit provider to process. So they're not having to manually enter data into their underwriting system. uh, So a business gets a, a quicker decision. And then I think the other kind of real key way that, that you know, better sharing of data can help plug that gap is... Um, in that when you think about that section of of businesses who are being rejected. Um, So it's worth saying that, you know, you're always going to have and you should always have some some businesses that are, you know, 
rejected for credit because they're not eligible. Um, but there is definitely a proportion of businesses who are credit worthy, but just can't prove it with the data that they have. So for example, maybe they're a newer business and they don't have much in the way of publicly filed company accounts. Um, uh, if they could provide a, a wider range of data, make that data more trusted because it's kind of coming directly from the source, it's more up to date, uh, more accurate, then then more businesses can can get a yes. And, and ultimately, if you lower the risk, um, the, the credit provider can give better rates and provide finance that's less expensive for businesses. Yeah, it's interesting, um, you know, just how uh, what percentage of, of businesses that have tried applying for credit actually had quite a negative experience. But but then, as, as you pointed out, some of them are were just going to kind of their, their main bank and then that was the end of the road as, as far as they were concerned, um, which is interesting considering that that it, it feels as though there's there's that many more credit options out there, right? So I guess maybe businesses are are just, as you say, perhaps not actively encouraged to seek uh, credit elsewhere, and 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 hopefully that portability of, of data should help that, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think um, uh, it's there's 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 definitely an education element and also a trust element of of uh you know other providers that are not your your main bank so i think you know trust as you probably expect is much higher of those really big financial institutions that have existed forever um uh but it, it's also certainly true i think that the yeah the awareness of other financing options maybe that that different financial products even as well as providers is 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 not there for many businesses okay well i know that it, that in the reports it considers both the benefits and the limitations of open banking for smbs uh, so perhaps let's start with we're talking about a bit more about about some of the benefits you've already flagged a few of course so what are what are the main ones do you think for me, I think the main one of the biggest ones is is automated bank feeds into accounting software. Um, so what I mean by that is the ability to go into your accounting system, click connect to your bank account, um, and then every day all of the transactions that you've made will will end up in your accounting system automatically to be reconciled. Um, and before those existed, um, uh, if you imagine. It, all of those transactions either need to be manually keyed in to that accounting software or uploaded via a CSV file. Um, and that not only took a lot of time, you know, time away from actually growing business, talking to customers, etc. But it was also because it took a lot of time done much less regularly, which meant that, um, you know, means that it's much harder to get an up-to-date view. You know, you don't have that real-time view of what's happening in your business when you need it to make decisions um, uh, at any time. But I think, so this this kind of automated bank feeds was was already in play. It was already kind of developing before open banking came came into play. Um, Zero, for example, has been working on this for, for years and years. But what open banking has done is it's made it easier as a feature to implement for some of those accounting platforms. It's meant that uh, uh, smaller accounting platforms can can um, bring that into their products. And, and that's been a real positive for, for reaching more businesses. Great. And uh, look, I think it's it's only fair to, to balance that out by um, considering some, some of the limitations that, that the report mentions. Um, you know, open banking isn't isn't a kind of a panacea. So uh, 
where has open banking fallen short then when it comes to benefiting small businesses? And, and have you noticed any kind of variations geographically here? Well, I think the main thing comes down to the fact that for a business, the, your bank account is not your cent- central source of truth for your, your finances. Um, you know, So if I think from, from a personal standpoint, if I want to check in on my, my finances, I'd go to my bank account. You know, Maybe if it was a bit more, I was being a bit more sophisticated, I'd get one of those apps where I can see um, multiple bank accounts in, in one place. Um, but if I'm a business, I'd probably go to my QuickBooks or my Xero account. Um, in some cases, maybe if I'm a kind of specialist you know, property management company, I might even use some specialist um, software to, to to look after my business there. But it's really that system, that central source of truth that you need to be connected to everything else. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's, that's the key problem. But then also when it comes to um, the implementation of open banking more specifically, there's, there's some examples where the rules have basically been created and thought up with consumers in mind and they don't, they just don't quite work for businesses. Um, and probably the main example that I can think of is uh, the consumer data right in Australia. Um, so in order to share data from a, a business bank account, the way that it was originally set up was that every business holder had to consent to share that data. Um, so can you imagine how impractical that is? I'm a finance director. I'm trying to submit a loan application or connect systems that I work in. And I have to get my co-directors who are different places where maybe in really important meetings to go and log into their own online banking. So um, you can now, they've, they've tried to address that in that you can now delegate one of your company directors to be the, the data sharing delegate um, to avoid this issue. But in order to set up that delegated responsibility, you have to fill in a special form. You have to specifically opt in sometimes by going in person to a bank. So it completely defeats the whole point of, you know, being able to more seamlessly share data to access better services if you, if you have to do that. Yeah, that that's interesting. I, I, I think um, a really interesting example, I mean, uh, of um, where perhaps um, it is a bit more clunky, as you say, not quite the seamless process that that open banking and well in australia open open data uh, was intended to be um are there any um i guess i know that in the, in this report kodak kind of concludes that in approaching the data sets shared through open finance so that's kind of accounting and sales data um those are the ones that that should be considered next um, in terms of, you know, they're actually more beneficial to, to small businesses, as, as you've pointed out. So obviously, we've seen a lot of focus on, on I think I mentioned this in my introduction, but on energy, mortgage, pensions and investment data. Um, I think, you know, the, the conclusion of the, of the report is, is fairly clear, but perhaps you can kind of um, just kind of emphasise what what the conclusion is and 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 what does that mean about kind of where next for for open banking and, and open finance and uh, in terms of helping small businesses. Well, we we thought a lot about how you can really measure the value of opening up various different categories of data. It's, it's not an easy thing to visualise because you've got to think about not only that like that piece of data and 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 you know maybe how useful that data is to the business themselves but how useful the actual data sharing process like how many other systems and processes it's connected to so it's quite a hard thing to kind of get your head around but i'd see the best way to think about that as um the value 
um, of opening up a, a kind of category of data is a factor of how often that data is shared or moves between systems and then the value that the business gets each time that data is shared. So for example, every time you make a payment on a, a corporate card uh, and that data automatically ends up in your accounting system, you know, that's that's a kind of an example of open finance. Those, those That system is, is it, it, that data is moving um, programmatically with your, your consent. Um, each time that that happens, you probably save a few minutes entering that data yourself. Um, so it's relatively low value, but you might make hundreds of transactions a month. So it's pretty high frequency. Um, so turning to the example of accounting data, it sits at the center of so many different systems and processes within a business. Um, you need to get your, um, uh, your, your use your financial statements, for example, uh, often for applying for credit. Um, you have to get data into your accounting system from all sorts of different tools that you use in order to file your taxes. Um, and so that makes it really high potential. And at the moment, a lot of accounting platforms do already have APIs that you can connect to. But the reality is that there's a lot of red tape, hidden charges, restrictions. That means that those those APIs are not fully fully open and, and are preventing businesses from really um, uh, getting the most out of, of sharing their data freely. Yeah, I think uh, definitely some some really um, interesting points there. and and. Um... And look, I think something that's that's really helpful is is a few kind of tangible examples or, or kind of use cases, really. So I'm interested to hear whether you can think of any of or give any examples of, of where you're seeing data being used particularly effectively in products or, or services for small businesses. Well, I think one of the most one of the the best things about working at Kodat and, and this kind of technical infrastructure product is that sometimes people start using our products in new ways that we hadn't even thought of yet and, and it's um and that's great to see um and particularly one of the thing, ones that i think is most exciting at the moment is that we're seeing a growing group of clients who are incorporating um sme financial data into their products to help fight climate change um and these businesses uh, so what they do is they connect into a company's accounting system and then automatically calculate a carbon footprint based on information on suppliers and, and invoices and that sort of thing um, and that then helps the small business understand how they can reduce their their environmental impact so a couple of examples off the top of my head are called um, there's one called dodo there's one called greenly um, and we're really seeing those those that type that category of business growing in both number and in size as well yeah that's uh that's a really interesting trend and 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 obviously an extremely worthy cause of of course um which is great to hear Look, as I say, the, the, the report is is out there already. Uh, for those that want to read it and and, uh, and access it, where can they find uh, this report? Uh, well, you can find it on the Kodak website. Um, we have a white papers section, um, and uh, I can I can give you the the link as well, um, uh, Ellie, to to link in the um, the description of, of this podcast um, so that people can access it more easily. Great. Uh, well, Gabby, thank you so much for for talking us through those findings and for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for having me. 
My thanks again to Gabby from CODAP for joining me today. Uh, great to hear more about the findings of that report. And Gabby will be speaking at Open Banking Expo UK in London, uh, which takes place on the 20th of October. There's uh, more information about that event on openbankingexpo.com if you go to the events tab at the top. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we have some other great guests coming up on the podcast series. Uh, visit the on-demand section if you want to catch up on the latest episodes. That's all from me today. Goodbye for now.